So who would you cast in the Beatles biopic? Okay, Timothy Chalamet for John Lennon, because I already committed to that. Who would be Paul? Who would, that's an interesting. Maybe maybe Paul Mezcal. I know they share the same name, but he kind of has a Paul look. Okay. Um, yeah. George. George is kind of an odd bird. Who would play George? Hmm. I'm blanking on like male heart throbs right now. I could see like I could see an Austin Butler in there. I feel like he could do that. The guy who just played Elvis. I feel like he could step into a role like that with a funky wig and a mustache. And you won't um, be able to get him to stop doing the Liverpool accent, though. That's the yeah, thing. yeah. I'll be doing it through the whole award ceremony wearing the, <laughs> the flared pants. Yeah. Youngsters from Liverpool, England. People all over the world are just beginning to talk about the Beatles. My model of business is the Beatles. You know, they were four very talented guys. One, two, three. Hello, my name's Paul McCartney. This is Ringo Starr. This is John Lennon. I'm George Harrison. Welcome back to the Here, There, and Everywhere podcast. I'm your host, Jack Lawless. Today we have an awesome guest joining us on the show, Matt Bouchelle. Matt is a writer, composer, and musician who's written comedy and original music for Netflix, Comedy Central, and The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. He's written music for Lin-Manuel Miranda, Matthew McConaughey, Jimmy Fallon, and more. But, of course, you may also know him from his observational monologue videos of him walking around New York City from either Instagram or TikTok. It's my pleasure to welcome Matt to the show. In today's episode, we talk about our favorite Beatles songs, why Paul McCartney just can't stop writing hits, and more. So, let's get right into the interview. Hey, Matt, how's it going today? I'm doing great, man. How's it going? Good. Hey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's great to know that you're a huge Beatles fan. Yes. No, I, I was I was very excited when you reached out to me. I'm a longtime Beatles fan, and it's only gotten uh, bigger in my life as I've gotten older. I just love their music. Awesome. When did you hear them for the first time? I was thinking about that. I was I was like listening to the Beatles uh, this week, getting ready to talk with you, and I was. I was trying to think the first time I heard them. It's hard to remember. That's what I realized. It's hard to remember a time where I didn't know them. You know what I mean? Like right. they have such a huge catalog that it's in my head. It's like the first song I heard was let it be, but maybe that's just the song that I hear everywhere. And <laughs> so I'm always thinking about let it be. It's so that and like yesterday, the big, the big ones. Um, but I did have a specific memory I was thinking about where I remember listening to uh, Penny Lane in in the minivan with my mom and i remember her singing along and when you're like seven or eight or nine years old however old i might have been at the time it's sort of like that kind of music is annoying you know what i mean like i was listening to like pop music i was listening to like backstreet boys and and britney spears and like spice girls like i love whatever was on tv and, and the music video culture i was in and stuff that sounded like penny lane to me sounded like like crazy carnival music but i do <laughs> i do remember listening to that song and my mom i have a specific memory of my mom like harmonizing in the chorus uh it's such a beautiful song and i still think about that weird like childhood memory every now and then when i hear that song of that uh 
uh, of that beautiful, I'm trying to remember how it goes, it's like, it's like, I don't know the lyrics, but you know, the penny lane is in my hand, in my hand, and then like five voices come in like the, it's just, it's beautiful. But yeah, I think that's the first clock memory I have of, of jamming out to the Beatles was with my mom in the car. <laughs> that's awesome. And how old were you when you started to get into them fully? Gosh, I, I was, so then like, as I got older, I was, I was big on like the pop music in general, but especially like pop punk, pop rock. I was big on like Blink-182. That was like huge for me, Green Day, stuff like that. And then in high school, I remember a friend gave me a CD. We had CDs back in that time. And it was the, I don't know if you, I'm sure you've listened to these but they put out those anthology collections. Do you remember those? They were like two discs. Yeah, um, of course. They're all on Spotify and stuff now, I, which is so cool. I didn't realize they were on there till like a few months ago. And I've been revisiting all those. And that was the first time I ever thought like, damn, like these are real. <laughs> like This is not just something my parents listen to. You know what I mean? I had that moment where like it transcends like, oh, that's my parents stuff. It's not cool to like, this is incredible. Listen to these people. Cause a lot of those, those anthology collections have like the takes where they're talking between verses and they're kind of figuring it out. And I was at an age where I was playing music myself live and playing with friends. And it felt so like, Oh my God, they're talking to each other the same way I talked to my buddy, Pat or my buddy, uh, you know, uh, Kevin. And it's like, and you're, and you're listening to that for the first time hearing them as like people and not just like old buddy duddies. And a lot of the Beatles songs that I came to love i heard for the first time in those versions that are like stripped down and weird and i remember hearing like like specifically helter skelter there's a version of it on the anthology that is like incredibly slow it's kind of like a bluesy uh rock version i encourage anyone to listen to it but if you know the real version that came out of helter skelter it's like high intensity very fast and the old one didn't sound like that and i remember hearing helter skelter for the first time like the, the the actual recording would be like blown away. I was like, oh my god! I only knew this is like this old like, sing along type song. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it was definitely high school. I got I got obsessed. You know, it's so interesting. You mentioned that hearing them talk to each other got you more into them because mm-hmm. I think that's true for a lot of new fans as well. You know, especially with like the recent Get Back documentary. Yes. Just seeing them be actual humans. Yes. You can relate to them a lot more. And they also have personality and like seeing them, it, mm-hmm. it just makes you want to hang out with them, you know? Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, Get Back was, it was transformative for me. I knew I was going to like it, uh, but it was one of those things that I was like, I almost like didn't want to watch it because I knew I would watch it feeling like, oh, I want that in my life. I want that, that creative uh, collaboration that's on such, like you're watching these four geniuses talk to each other like best friends and have these conversations about how do we make something and how to, and you're watching them triumph against a deadline. And it's like, God, I, I, I've only watched it that one time, but I need to revisit it because I just remember being so like, it's, it's, it's hard to capture moments like that in a genuine way. You know, like when you see a lot of making of stuff, it's usually pretty like, it's usually like recaps. It's a lot of people being like, and then we added the drums and you're in the studio and they're replaying it. But to see them in the, in the moment, just like having conversations around the, the dinner table and trying to be like, the hell, like, how do we figure this out? It's, it's yeah. it was amazing to see like them problem solve in real time. It, it really, it's hard to watch that and not like feel endeared to them. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, you feel like you're part of the actual process. It's like the coolest thing yeah, ever. That's exactly what it is. You feel like you're like the band manager, like overseeing the, <laughs> the session. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're sweating like the band manager mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you decide that you wanted to start writing music and for comedy? Did that happen concurrently? Uh, you know, music definitely came first, which I feel like would probably surprise anyone that knows the stuff I do, but like, uh, I started playing guitar when I was like 12. Uh, I remember I had to beg my parents to get me a guitar because I had an older brother who was like a superstar uh, saxophone player in the band. And they just, you know, well, you got to go pick an instrument. You got to play it in the band too. They really wanted me to do music, but I wanted to play guitar because I was really, as I mentioned, like listening to like Blink-182, Green Day, all the bands that had a lot of like distorted guitar. So they caved, they got me a guitar. I started taking lessons at, at a young age and um it wasn't long before I started like writing my own songs, probably like I was like 14 or so. And I was doing like little talent shows and going to the coffee shop in my neighborhood and playing uh, shows with my friends. We'd like organize little nights. And uh, I, yeah, I I really thought, (laughs) I really thought I was going to be like the next like Blink-182. Like that was the goal. I didn't have a lot of goals. (laughs) I just was like, well, surely someone will hear my songs and be like, well, this guy's a goddamn genius. Like, like, we got to get him signed. Like, I really thought like, that was it for me. I, I, I loved doing it. I, I knew I had some kind of talent, but it obviously wasn't particularly uh, honed at that point, but I knew I, I knew I could play the songs I loved listening to. And I thought that might be enough to get me there. And I, I'd always, I'd always also had this passion for comedy. I was a big SNL fan. I loved watching uh, late night in general. I loved watching like Conan O'Brien, uh, David Letterman, um, just to name a few. And so I, I never really, felt like those were two worlds that combined in my head it was like i'm the music is serious you know <laughs> like the comedy is goofy i didn't i didn't think to combine them um but a couple of huge influences that made me realize like that might be something you could crack was um was was one flight of the concords i saw that when i was a senior in high school and it was again it was like someone had like the dvd of season one <laughs> i was like this is a, i don't know if you've seen it but it's it's have you watched that show? Or? No, I actually haven't seen it. Um, are you aware of it at all? Like, is it on your radar? I've heard of it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's 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 great. It's like a half hour comedy. It's almost like a mockumentary of these two guys trying to make it as like a folk band. And every episode, at one point or another, they break into like a comedy song. And I was like, oh, this is exactly what I want to be doing. The songs are great as is, but they're also very very funny. And the other people that did that really well that I kind of latched onto uh, was the Lonely Island guys on SNL doing uh you know like dick in a box and like i'm on a boat and and all those like huge pop songs that were really funny but they were also just great songs and i was like oh this is in a perfect world this is what i wanted you know kind of do um and then i i went to college and 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 dipped my toes into doing more comedy and doing like stand-up and stuff and and that kind of led me to new york and i've always kind of blended the two and found success in different arenas um but yeah, it's, it all kind of, I like to do both and I'm glad that I've been able to carve a path for myself that's, that allows me to do both. Well, hey man, you've come a long way. I mean, your social media has been blowing up in the last year or two. Thank you. And you've written for some pretty cool projects as well. I mean, what was your favorite experience writing so far? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I did, I, you know, I, I was very lucky to, I got to write at the Tonight Show for a bit. Um, I wrote some songs there. 
one of that was probably that was probably one of my favorite things I've done and coolest experiences I got to be part of was I did a Christmas song uh, that Jimmy Fallon duetted with uh, Matthew McConaughey. And I got to be uh, a part of like the Zoom where he was recording remotely his vocal part and trying to like make sure he knew how to sing it and like watching him record like a, like a song I composed and lyrics I wrote was really cool. And then being there when we shot the music, it was like a pre-tape music video, I think like a Lonely Island type bit. And then when we got to go shoot it, it was fun to be on the floor and, and very pinch me moment to be like, man, I wrote this song. I mean, your listeners can't see this, but I wrote that song like right at this piano over here. And then like, Two weeks later, I'm on the, I'm on Thirty Rock on, in an empty studio space filming it with him, and he's he's you know he's looking at me like, how do you do this part? What's the melody there? And I'm like, oh, it's the da 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 da. And I'm like, this is nuts. Like, just was sitting here writing this, and now I'm watching you know Oscar winner Matthew McConaughey sing my stupid little melody. It was very <laughs> it was very cool. That one felt special. It was a lot of fun. That's so cool. <laughs> so uh, so tell me about your social media. Yeah. I mean, when was the moment? that you knew like, wow, this is really taking off here. Um, you know, it's, it's really weird. I never like, I, I, I've been living in New York for about 11 years now and I've always like dabbled in doing live stuff. I would, I would do stand up here and there improv. Um, I would do like work on other people's live shows, but I never really felt like I was doing anything like at a high level, you know, <laughs> like I always felt like I was like, I was like, I know I should be doing this, but I don't know why I don't feel like I'm getting better at any of this. <laughs> and, uh, I think that's a very real feeling. I just think some people have the confidence to keep going and get to that next level where I'm like, if things aren't working after a few years, I'm sort of like, let's regroup here. <laughs> let's let's try to figure out what's happening. Um, and I was just, I was always like a fan of writing jokes on Twitter and posting, posting, you know, topical things or whatever. And I, I don't, I was working in a job that was going nowhere and I was getting a little bit older, like my late twenties. And I just, I started like having more and more ideas where I was combining the music and the comedy. And I was like, this is just funnier if I record a quick version of me doing this at the piano and just little like 40 second videos here and there. And they really started to take off and gave me kind of the confidence to like bail on the job and sort of try to see if I could make that work for a little bit, live off of savings. And, uh, and that really did kind of take off. And then I started posting those things on Instagram as well. And that kind of led directly to me ending up at the tonight show in a lot of ways. And then after I left the tonight show, um, I, I hadn't really been doing much of my own stuff when I was there. Cause you know, you're working at the show, you want to do a good job there. You're pretty busy. And then I left the show and I started doing, what I feel like most people know I do now is like those like kind of walking monologues where I'm walking around New York and just, you know, kind of like riffing on something I saw in the news or whatnot. And those have gotten me to like a, a, such a bigger audience, like so many more eyeballs than I ever would have expected. I thought I had kind of like done what I needed to do on social media. I felt like I had like had some success. I had gotten, gotten me a couple of good jobs and I felt pretty happy with, with that. But now I feel like I've gotten, so many more opportunities from it and it's it's been really fun like it's it's been a fun outlet and it's it's easy like you're familiar with what i do it's pretty low frills i don't have to like i don't have to like sit around editing like like what you do on this podcast is way more work intensive than what i do on social media <laughs> um, so i tip my hat to you uh, but yeah it's it's been cool I, I can't lie it's been a lot of fun to like connect with people on there and, and and make stuff for a big audience i love it do the Beatles have any influence on the songs you write or like your sense of humor? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, they've written so many types of songs. Like I feel like the Beatles in a lot of ways, I started on guitar and I feel like the Beatles kind of taught me how to 
play piano you know a lot of their songs are pretty piano heavy or at least the ones i'm i'm kind of drawn towards are piano heavy um and i feel like what i try to do in my songwriting above anything else is go for some kind of hook or some kind of melody that you'll keep singing and i love layering harmonies i love lots of vocals and i feel like that's something they're so good at um yeah it's one of those things where like they did stuff that if anyone covered it, it would still be incredible. And that's kind of what I shoot for. Cause so much of what I've done as a, as a professional songwriter has been writing music for other people. And I, I release my own stuff and do my, my own music, but I do feel like the Beatles have that thing that I try to emulate of like picture anyone singing this, whether it's like Adele or like machine gun Kelly, like anyone across the spectrum could sound good singing the song with like an accompanist. You know what I mean? That's, that's like what I always aim for. I'm like, is, are the bones of this good? And, and now with that mindset, everything I write now, I pretty much always start on piano. Cause I feel like that's, that's like where my brain is lately, but, but yeah, it all from that beetle root of like bang out a few chords, get that melody down. And then you're off to the races easily. Well, I think that's the telltale sign of a good song. Like if it sounds good, if you're, and you're just playing mm-hmm. it on the piano, or just the guitar, it's it's probably a good song, you know? Yeah, and I love, like, producing the hell out of stuff. Like, I do love... I, I've written in all kinds of genres, and I like to make things expansive and big and fun, but it is fun to, yeah, sort of dial it back sometimes. Like, I have this track that I'm releasing this summer, and I've been listening to it on loop and trying to figure out, like, what I want to do with it. And the other day, I, like, sat down at this piano over here and was just playing, like, a strip down, just for fun, just thinking, like, what is this song, actually? Because I've been, like, I've been, like, screwing around with it for, like, two months, and I'm, like, what is this? And I was playing on the piano, I was, like, it's a good song. Like, I really, like, it made me, like, like it again, because I was kind of getting to the point where I was, like, this is sort of shitty, isn't it? And I was, like, no, <laughs> the bones are there. You just got to figure out how to put it all together, and, and that's, I think that's really important. Well, that's like the creative experience in a nutshell. It's like one day uh-huh. this is really good, and then the next day it's like this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the next day it's really good again. So yeah, yeah. The the scary part about that is it could literally be just like muting that one like snare or muting that like like when it comes to music, you have such a wide canvas of things you can do. It's almost overwhelming. Like like I write in this program called Logic Pro, and it's like there are just so many things you can do like you can have a great song idea and you can turn it into something ridiculous and it's easy to get like overwhelmed very quickly but sometimes that last thing you add does take to the next level or that thing you delete so it's like you can tinker till the end of time and that's that's where i get myself in trouble <laughs> well that's another really cool thing about the beatles anthology because you can go back and listen to the different takes mm-hmm. of their songs and study their creative progression and see like what did they leave in? Yes. What did they take out? Which decisions did they make along the way? Yeah. And they didn't have logic back then. No. You know, they were dealing with some giant four track machines. Yeah. That's another thing that's really remarkable about listening to those old albums, especially like towards the end of their career as like recording artists. It's crazy how big some of the sounds are on those albums. Like I listened to Sgt. Pepper's the other day all the way through and I listened to um, Abbey Road. All the, Like those albums have so much going on in some of those songs i'm like how did they even do this like i we take for granted how easy it is to to make things on our macbook pros you know what i mean (laughs) it is is ridiculous like one mistake and like all right we gotta we gotta get back in there and dub this over with them but they're doing like (laughs) these massive like what sound like 60 track you know incredible experiences i'm like how did they get this down it's just remarkable so who's your favorite beetle 
you know, I've thought about this before. I don't, I don't know if I have a favorite one, but I definitely have, I feel like I relate to Paul the most, especially after watching Get Back. I feel like that's kind of my energy. I feel like he, at the end of the day, he's the guy who's like, all right, guys, we got to just get this shit done. Like we got to like figure it out. Like I, I feel like that's kind of how I feel about most things where it's like the work's got to get done. Like you guys can come in late or whatever. We can figure this out later. But like, I'm going to be the guy that like, I don't mind staying late and sitting at the piano and like writing a, like, I like, that's like, I, I relate to that energy so much of just like, if no one's going to like, if I don't do this, it's not going to get done. I, I feel like that's kind of how I carry myself. But I can't say he's my favorite necessarily because he also kind of seems like a jerk sometimes. So I don't know. I don't know if I relate to that as well, but do you have a favorite? It's hard. Yeah, no, it's hard. Um, Historically, my favorite's been Paul. Yeah. And then recently it's, it's been uh, Paul as well because I've looked at it from like an outside point of view and just Mm -hmm. realized that his creative genius is like so underappreciated. Yeah. I mean like all of Sergeant Peppers was his idea. The whole Abbey Road medley was his idea as well. Incredible, incredible chain of songs too, by the way. I, I listened to that yeah. recently. You forget how good that last like six song stretch is. But, yeah, yeah, man. It's 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 unbelievably good. And it's just interwoven with yeah. just creative genius. And I don't know if the world has fully appreciated him yet for what he's done. Yeah, I think as a musician and songwriter... I want to, I wish I had it in me to be more like George Harrison and more like John Lennon in that way of kind of being a little more like rough around the edges and doing like, doing stuff that's a little more, I don't know, I don't want to say like artistic necessarily. I I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but like a little less accessible to the mainstream audience. I, I think I want to think of myself like I'm capable of doing that. But I think the reality is like, you know, I, I do tend to lean towards the poppy more and I do tend to lean towards what I consider like more like Paul type songs. You know what I mean? Like I can't, I can't break out of that. I think that's why I like look at him and I'm like, I get what he does. It makes more sense to me than like how like John operates, even though I envy that skill set too. It's just, yeah, I don't think I see as much of myself in him. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that's so important in music too. Like how accessible do you want your music to be? Yeah, totally. I think I actually think that became a point of contention between them towards the end because Paul wanted to write more pop songs. Yeah. And John and George wanted to make very personal songs, you know, like yes, Oh exactly. Yoko and Dear Yoko. Mm-hmm. I mean, like these are incredible, yeah. wonderful songs, but I can't relate to those, you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. I mean, even down to the way they did, they both had their like iconic Christmas songs. It's so telling of like <laughs> how they work. You know what I mean? Like Paul's is like this weird, synthy, corny song, but it's like, it's catchy and it's fun. And then John's doing this like anti-war <laughs> anthem that like, <laughs> somehow gets played every Christmas as well. <laughs> um, but they're both bangers, man. They're both phenomenal songs. I just don't think I'm capable of doing war is over i don't think i have that and i mean i don't i don't want there to be war but i don't think i could write that song and feel like i did something good you know i'm not i i would lean more towards the cheesy i think as as much as i hate to admit it <laughs> so have the beatles influenced your life in any other ways aside from just music mm, i don't know it's a good question i think like i think especially after watching get back i think they've influenced the way i think about fame and success you know and work 
because here's four guys that in that documentary, I remember a lot of it and it's been like a year since I've seen it, but I remember so much of it was them like trying to figure out how they were going to release their last album. And they're like talking about doing those crazy like boat ideas or like they were like going to go to like Egypt or somewhere in like the Middle East. Remember they like talked about all these different elaborate plans for how to drop the album. And I think like that's watching those kind of conversations and the way that they deal with stuff as they're still human beings have to figure things out. And I think it's easy to look at stuff like that and be like, oh, they're so successful that other people are handling all this and they're just saying yes or no. But it's really like, the work never stops. It's like the influence they've had on me of like, you're always going to have to like, and you'll find it, but like you always have to kind of be responsible for your work and how it gets seen and how it gets out there at any level of success, even when they're like the most famous people on the planet. And it motivates me to like, want to come up with new ideas, more ambitious ideas. Um, as a, as a comedy writer and as like a musician, I just want to like, I always want to make sure I'm doing what I'm doing at like the, the highest level I'm capable of and, and doing things that people can enjoy. And that, that, I think that comes from like specifically that documentary, but yeah, I feel like they, they really like had the career that a lot of people dream of in a way that is like super hard to replicate. I feel like, especially nowadays, but yeah. Yeah. That's the Paul McCartney inside you for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a favorite Beatles album? Album is tough. Album is tough. Cause I grew up, like like when I mentioned like in high school, I grew up listening to like collections of songs that ended up on all different kinds of albums. I really don't feel like I have a favorite album, unfortunately. I probably would say Sgt. Pepper's, but it depends on the day. It's either that or Abbey Road for me, I would say, like one or the other. Um, uh, song, though, I, I thought about song. Do you have a favorite album or song? I, I want to hear your opinion. No, I mean, it changes all of the time. Really? Recently, yeah. it's been Abbey Road. Yeah. And and songs, I just I love all of them. I, yeah. It's hard to choose one. That that like that like we're saying that like medley at the end is just so incredible. Like every time you hear it, you're like it just it gets me so amped ending with the end there when they're just riffing on the end. It's like it, it gets me high energy. I, I'm a fan of any Beatles song that's like that goes for those like big I don't want to compare them to the stones, but like those kind of like rock moments are what I love the most. So like, instead of saying like a favorite album, I guess I would have to like cheat the answer and be like, I like the songs like, like back in the USSR. I like magical mystery tour. Um, I like, uh, I like, I mean, I like the, the Helter Skelter that was released. I like, I like anything where they're really going for it. And, and John and Paul do this thing every now and then where they take it to the next level with their vocals. And you can tell they're just on the brink of cracking. And I just fucking like, I love that so much. I lo like, like, Oh Darling has always been my favorite Beatles song. Cause you're just hearing Paul go absolutely in on those vocals. Like when he gets to those bridges, like when you're darling, he's just, just really like leaving it out there. It's, it still gives me chills. Even talking about it with my shitty impression of it, I got chills thinking about my because I'm picturing that old <laughs> band coming in and yeah, yeah, that one's great. Sergeant Pepper's the song is great. I mean, I love same kind of thing where he comes in like it was 20 years ago today. Like he just comes in belting it. And you're like, all right, I'm in. Like I'm head bobbing. I want to hear this guy screaming for his supper you know what i mean like he's going <laughs> wild uh yeah i love that i'm trying to think of another example of that that i love that i was thinking of oh uh don't let me down john lennon 
a, a monster on that one too. He's got that that bridge where everything kind of opens up, you know. And it's like I'm in love for the first time, dude. Dude. He has that one line. Where he's like, and know it's gonna last. And then he's like, it's a line that lasts forever. He like screams that line, and it feels like he really feels it. <laughs> you can tell he really believes what he's saying. And like, yeah, any Beatles moment where you could feel like their heart is fully on their sleeve, I'm like. Turn it up to 10, let's go, I'm on board. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's like the best part about the Beatles, like their energy. Yeah. You can't fake that. No, you can't fake it. It's like, because yeah, I feel like they're so known for these beautiful melodies and these beautiful harmonies, and they can do that so well, but like, there's something special to me when they really kind of like, kind of like, Put, let their foot off the brakes, you know, and, and really go for it and don't, and kind of like throw caution to the wind. Like, I, I was listening to Back in the USSR and it's not, it doesn't have the vocal thing I'm talking about, but man, that guitar solo comes in and you're like, this feels crazy for the, like, it feels like the Beatles don't do a lot of stuff like that. And that's one where they're just ripping the whole time. And you're like, it just, it really gets me going. So I'm like, this is not how I remember, like, as a kid listening to Penny Lane, which feels like a theme song to like a fairy tale. Like, <laughs> Then you hear like songs like back in the USSR as you get older and you're like, damn, these guys were like, these guys were pretty hardcore, but it's easy to think of them as like the cute four boys from, you know, Liverpool or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, even on their earlier yeah. songs too, like Twist and Shout, for example. Yes. John Lennon tore his vocal cords recording that song, like the last take and that one was it. Yeah. Yeah. Those old, I forgot about like Twist and Shout. They used to. Yeah, there's a couple other ones. I don't think about the early Beatles as much, I have to admit. But yeah, Twist and Shout is killer. Uh, saw her standing there. Like, they, they, yeah, those, are, those are just those old, like almost like blues progressions where they just rip. Like, they just, it's just straight rock. And it's really, really fun to listen to. Yeah. And the coolest part about them doing that is like, they'll have a song like The End where it's like an insane drum uh-huh. solo and then a three part rock guitar solo and then it just cuts and goes straight to just like the piano and they're singing like the most profound lyrics (laughs) you know and they could do that and it works perfect it sounds like the best song ever five-part harmony like after like like, yeah it's that to me is will always be the my favorite like ending of one of their albums um ending on the end those drums are great. I just love that build up where the kick is going it just gets you so like knowing that first like kind of shitty sounding guitar tone is going to come in like like anytime I hear that drum I get so so excited because it's just it's pure energy like you can tell they made it in the same room together at the exact same time and that's hard to that's really hard to to get that energy to be conveyed in like modern music and people people do it all the time I'm not like a I'm not one of those people that thinks like modern music bad. I, I love modern music, but like there's certain sounds like that where it just feels so organic and real and it's hard to, it's hard to do that. Yeah. And you know, speaking about um, modern music, what do you think it is about the Beatles that makes them relevant to audiences today? Hmm. I would say, I, I think it is that they have created so many, I don't want to say genres, but like so many types of songs. I feel like they've done every song you would want to do as far as like the style and the energy behind it that like it's it's almost like if you're setting out as a pop artist to write a song you're gonna steal from them almost like subconsciously like it's it's almost impossible to not feel their influence in like anything you do as a modern musician um whether it's like a certain harmony you're doing or a chord progression 
that you know worked because it worked so well in like oh darling's bridge or something like that it's like so many things come from what they've already done and i know lots of people have written songs like them and they're not the only people that have written pop songs uh, during their active years but like it does feel like they did such a high quality version of every type of thing whether it was a ballad or 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 a straight like blues song like we were talking about and like or an experimental acapella, like, because or something, you know, like, like they, they really just, they, they've done it all. I would say too, that like the fact that Paul still works so much on stuff, like you hear him in, in pop music every now and then. And like Kanye used to be like one of my favorite artists and before he really kind of went south, but the song he did with Kanye and Rihanna, uh, four or five seconds. I don't know if you're familiar with it, oh, but of course, yeah, one of my yeah. favorite songs of all time. And and Paul just laid down that chord progression, and and I believe I could be getting it wrong, but I believe he's also responsible for a lot of the 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 framework of it, and like the melody. And it's just it's one of those things that like if Paul can make a song with people like Kanye West and Rihanna, and it, and it sounds so timeless, it's he's just got that gift. Like the Beatles' music and songwriting is never. It's never going to go away, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. That is such a great pop song. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I don't know if you know uh, Kiss of Venus with Dominic Fike. No. I, I know who this is, though. Um, let me write that down. Yeah. I mean, so a couple years ago, uh, during 2020, Paul McCartney released his album McCartney 3. And then a few months later, he released McCartney 3 Imagined. And he, he had all these contemporary artists uh, essentially like re-record the songs that he wrote for that album. And Dominic Fike recorded this amazing version of Paul's song, The Kiss of Venus. And it's this cool experiment because you get to hear Paul's songwriting, but through a new, younger voice. Um, it's, it sounds really cool. It, it's a great song. But like you were saying, you know, the songs that Paul writes still sound so great even today. Yeah, that, I'll have to listen to that. I, I, I kind of remember when this was coming out. I want to say, was Phoebe Bridgers a part of that? I feel yeah, like I saw yeah, she hers. was. I saw hers and it was really cool. Yeah, I need to check out his, though. I like him a lot. Um, yeah, he's one of those people who are like, man, what a <laughs> what a songwriter. Like, the amount of songs he has written just from a number standpoint that are all, like, pretty good. It's it's remarkable. Yeah, it's really cool. Where do you see the Beatles in the future? Mm, I don't know. I... I uh, I mean, in a in a nightmare world, like AI John Lennon is doing like songs with AI George Harrison, and they're all doing covers of like I don't know, like Blink One Eighty Two or something. You know, it's like there's gonna be like like who knows what what the future is as far as like where where their music will be or what they'll do. But I I don't know. It's one of those things that like I do feel like will be around forever we'll probably see a pretty bad biopic with like i don't know timothy chalamet playing lennon or something i don't know once once paul's no longer with us we'll probably get that shit movie but i don't know (laughs) i don't know man i I think it's i think the music is just so powerful that it's the kind of thing that like you go into any like bar that's doing live music and in in a music town whether nashville or new york or uh, you know austin anywhere you're gonna hear a Beatles song, no matter what. I think that's like enough that like knowing that like anyone that picks up a guitar or a piano or gets behind a drum kit is like learning off their stuff because it's, it's accessible, like we were saying, but it also is just, it hits something. It's like everyone relates to it, to one of their songs in some way. Like you can't say you're like a, like when people say they're a Beatles hater, I don't, 
I don't buy it. <laughs> like you can't it's just a contrarian take. Like there's you don't have to love them, but there's no way you like don't respect what's going on here. It's like, come on. <laughs> so so who would you cast in the Beatles biopic? <sighs> okay, Timothy Chalamet <laughs> or John Lennon, because I already committed to that. Who would be Paul? Who would, that's an interesting maybe maybe Paul Mezcal? I know they share the same name, but he kind of has a Paul look. Um George. George is kind of an odd bird. Who would play George? Hmm. I'm blanking on like male heart throbs right now. I could see like, I could see an Austin Butler in there. I feel like he could do that. The guy who just played Elvis. I feel like he could step into a role like that with a funky wig and a mustache. And You won't um, be able to get him to stop doing the Liverpool accent though. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. He'll be doing it through the whole award ceremony. <laughs> the, the flared pants, yeah. Ringo, uh, yeah, who do we get for Ringo? That's an interesting one. Maybe you do like a, a comedy casting for Ringo, a silly guy, you know, some kind of, uh, I don't know who it would be, but have to be like a, yeah, like maybe like a out of left field male stand-up actors. I mean, you know, that's the role. I'll, I'll read for that part if they let me. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of that, Matt, what are you up to now? Are you involved in any projects at the moment? What's uh, What's going on? At the moment, uh, I'm a member of the Writers Guild, so at the moment we are uh, withholding our labor for TV and film projects. So I'm not working on anything in the t- uh, in the TV film space, but uh, I'm doing a lot of writing. I'm working on some new music that I kind of mentioned earlier, but I do want to drop this new single uh, under my name this summer. It's called Over You. I'm, I'm really happy with it. It's coming along uh, in the tinkering phase, but we're getting there. Um, I'm working on, on some bigger projects that I can't super get into, but, uh, going to, going to be doing some new comedy music soon that hopefully will be out there by end of summer as well. So yeah, leaning into this time where like a lot of TV and film work is being delayed to kind of honestly spend a lot more time, like at the keyboard and, and play around and see what, what makes sense. But, but yeah, I'm kind of just enjoying the the summer and going to keep walking around Manhattan and, and talking talking shit you know (laughs) a lot of that (laughs) but that's all i'm working on right now awesome man and where can people find you and your music uh so you can follow me on instagram or twitter or tiktok at matt bouchelle and that's b-o-o-s-h-e-l-l and then i'm on like spotify and apple music and anywhere you would stream music under the artist name bouchelle b-o-o-s-h-e-l-l Awesome. Well, I'll leave those links in the podcast description. Matt, thanks so much again for coming on the podcast. I had a blast. Yeah, thanks, Jack. This was awesome. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Here, There, and Everywhere podcast. I'm your host, Jack Lawless. Thank you again to Matt for coming on the show and bringing such great enthusiasm about the Beatles. To find out more about Matt, you can follow him on social media. All of his links are in the podcast description. If you'd like to hear more episodes in the future, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you can hear a new interview about every week or so. And don't forget to follow us at Beatles Earth on all social media. So I will see you next time with a brand new guest. Beatles Earth.